Welcome to Service Headline News. I'm Marty Smith. I'm Eric Perrott. We are here to bring you the latest headlines and updates. That will hopefully be funny and interesting to listen to. So sit back, get informed, and maybe have a laugh as the Swearing and Podcast presents Service Headline News. For those of you who are listening, Eric and I have been sitting here talking for 15 minutes, and <laughs> yours truly, dumbass, technical space guy, forgot to hit record. So uh, we're starting all over again, but we can't recreate the brilliant banner banter that you missed out on. Yeah, it was quite the intro. I don't even have it for outtakes because I wasn't recording. <laughs> oh, That's all right. Welcome, Marty. Glad to be Thank on. you, Eric. Evening, man. It's been a, it's been a while. So I'm always excited to get back to this thing. Yeah, I do. I do love doing it. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, this is our last show of the year. And we'll be back with some more live shows. Jake Wall, who's usually here with us, we sent him off on assignment. So he's doing some research <laughs> and some. Uh, he'll be back with some real interesting stories uh, at the beginning of the new year. So I'm going to miss his wisdom at the end of this episode. <laughs> I truly am. <laughs> I think I think he looks forward to uh, zinging you at the end. So. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> Eric, educate us all on what happened this day in history. All right. Well, you know, I, 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 I feel like I'm becoming the biggest recipient of information when I do these uh, days in history because I always find something new. And I, I just, wow, I didn't know that. So um, today in history, in uh, December 14th, 1944, during World War II, officers of the United States of America found themselves in an unusual situation. They were commanding allied officers of a higher rank, and that was a problem. To solve the problem, Congress created the, the first rank of five-star general and fleet admiral. The public law was 482, and it came into being December 14, 1944. Now, what this did was it created um, a five-star who was able to command, um, let me think of what it was. It was going to be his title, which was Army General of the Army. Um, and there was actually two who have held that throughout history. Um, the first one was John J. Pershing in World War I, and then General George Washington was also awarded this rank, General of the Armies of the United States, in 1976. So since the inception of the five-star general, there have been five. Um, the first, General George C. Marshall, Army George C. Marshall, General of the Army Douglas MacArthur, General of the Army Dwight D. Eisenhower, and last but not least, General of the Army Omar Bradley. Uh, the rank also includes Fleet Admiral. So Marty and I were speaking about this. So we looked up the Fleet Admirals, and there have been four men that held the rank of Fleet Admiral. That's William D. Lehay, Ernest King, of course, Chester W. Nimitz, and William Bull Halsey. They were all promoted to that rank in December of 44, followed by Halsey in December of 45. Pretty impressive. Did you mention Hap Arnold? Oh, I, you know, I always forget Hap. I did not. <laughs> he 
Now he's been, and uh, like you said, he was all, he was Army Air Corps. Right? Yeah, but yeah. he has really been the only Air Force five star general Correct. that we've had. Yeah. Right? Yep, you're absolutely right. Thank you for my uh, correcting me. I missed him. And, it, and it's interesting because uh, I, I don't know why. I always thought Westmoreland made it, but I guess, you know, I, I think that general of the Army is only for, uh, well, essentially World War, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think it really applies when um, we are overseeing and commanding any type of foreign um Allies, oh, yeah, right, you know, right. Allies, uh, the potential for them to outrank our commanding officers was the problem. Well, you so would think that, that uh, you would think that Schwarzkopf would have been close, right? Schwarzkopf and Powell would have seen to be a a, a natural yeah. fit for two five stars, right? Well, and you would have thought our you know our war in Iraq would have would have commanded that, but I don't think any of our allies had any. Um, Positions or ranks that were higher than that Schwarzkopf. Right. Well, and plus it was a hundred hour war. So it was. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't five years worth. So it would have taken that long to promote him, for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> it would have taken him 10 times as long to get it through Congress. So <laughs> exactly. But I uh, thought that was pretty cool because I you never understood why General of the Army. Now you know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So when they did Pershing, they did that retroactive. Um, I guess? He, I, I, that I kind of screwed that up. He was the rank um, was not so much the five star, but the title General of the Armies of the United oh. States. Oh, I see. And that was Pershing and George Washington posthumously in 1976. Speaking of that, on promotions, let's talk about the new. Sergeant Major of the Army, who is going to be Command Sergeant Major Michael Weimer. He'll be the 17th Sergeant Major of the Army, succeeding Sergeant Major of the Army Michael Grinston, who is the current Sergeant Major of the Army, uh, and he'll succeed him next year. So this future Sergeant Major of the Army has a long career in special ops. He enlisted in the Army in 93 completing the Special Forces Assessment and Selection Course in 94, and ultimately earning the Green Beret in 96, after which he became a Special Forces Weapons Sergeant. Weimer next served multiple tours with the 7th Special Forces Group, as well as with Army Special Ops Command across the U.S. Central and Southern Command areas of responsibility. Weimer was awarded the Legion of Merit, uh, or I should say Weimer has been awarded, the Legion of Merit, the Bronze Star with two V devices and five Oak Leaf clusters, the wow. Purple Heart, the Joint Commendation Medal, and the Army Commendation Medal, the latter two both with V devices as well. I I don't I don't know how you get a commendation medal with a V device. I didn't know that was possible. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, you have. Yeah, it's it's um a display of valor that may be not directly related to combat. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, prior to assuming his role at Army Special Ops Command, Weimer served as a senior enlisted leader for U.S. Special Ops Command, U.S. Special Operations Central Command at MacDill Air Force Base in Florida. 
and as the top NCO with the Special Ops Joint Task Force Afghanistan from 2019 to 2020. He is also a graduate of Norwich University with a Bachelor of Science degree in Strategic Studies and Defense Analysis. Wow. That sounds kind of like a fluffy degree, but that sounds like something you get from University of Phoenix, to be honest. It's a great, it's a great title, though. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you take a you take a couple online courses, and they're like, "Hey, you just got your degree in strategic <laughs> studies and defense analysis." <laughs> you know, uh, to- well, Norwich. No, I think Norwich was one of those big online ones for a long time. I think Norwich was. Yeah, it was. I believe you're correct. Yeah, and looking then, at a picture of this guy, he looks the part, man. Yeah, he looks hard, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks hard. For sure. Um, now contrast that the outgoing sergeant manager of the army, who is Michael Grinston. He's the current sergeant major of the army, and he is outgoing next year. But the defense department, he's upset. Right, because the Defense Department released its annual sexual assault report, which showed a 25.6% increase in reports of assault in the Army and the highest rate of prevalence of sexual assault in the U.S. military measured in over a decade. Wow. In recent months, the service has been forced to confront moldy barracks that has gone overlooked for years. All of this on top of the worst recruiting crisis the Army has seen in decades which has left the service 15,000 recruits short of its goal. This is, I mean, obviously it all doesn't go straight on this guy, but it, sure it has, has been his term, it. yeah, that all this stuff has been happening, right? It makes so, me wonder, what the hell has he been doing? I, I don't know. He's very upset about <laughs> the reports and all that stuff, and he's going to get to the bottom of it, but it's like, why? why you've been there since 2019, dude. Yeah. <laughs> How much more bottom can you get? Now, in all fairness to Sergeant Major Grinston, um, he does say he gets frustrated with all the studies that go on in the Army and how long it takes for these studies to conclude to get any actionable data to go off of. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I get that, too. You uh, know, yeah. It's always like a lagging indicator because um, that report that just came out closed in 2021 right so we don't really don't have the current year stuff which i think is improving off of that 2021 report but the current data is off of 2021 so i get his frustration but he's also i mean that that that's got to be the biggest indicator i think if you're if you're not in touch with the troops enough to know why you can't recruit why you missed your recruiting goal by oh, yeah. fifteen thousand. Yeah, you're out of touch. Yeah, I think so. He may um, be more upset that he's going to leave all this backlog for this new sergeant major. Yeah, here you go. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the keys to the car. It's a little banged up and there's a lot of paint missing, but uh, yeah. uh, here you go. Sergeant Major um, Weimer is going to be questioning, what in the hell have you been doing? Well, I that's I mean, the Army would show that, right? No, um, I remember having I remember having a conversation with one of my NCOs, and he was frustrated at uh, I think he was an E six, and he was frustrated at like this E five who he couldn't get to show up to work, and she always had all these excuses and blah blah blah, and and I was like, 
I hear you do, but that's why you're in charge, right? Yeah. What are you doing about it? I was like, I can't do anything about it. Well, then why do I have you in charge? Why are you in the position? That's exactly right. So that's, you know, that's, that's a military mentality to do that. Um, But, you You know, know, didn't hear looking at major or uh, Sergeant major Weimer. um, You and I spoke about it earlier. He's a figurehead. That position's a figure. Right. Right. Maybe now the military with the recruiting and retention problem is looking at placing someone with a, you know, very experienced career, well-decorated, well-experienced in that position in the hopes of maybe retaining and recruiting some of those Army troops. Because that figurehead has got to be, you know, the leader of the enlisted force. And it doesn't sound like the prior. It should be, yeah. I don't think the the uh, outgoing was a very good figurehead. He, he wasn't in touch. I don't think so. It says uh, some of the things that he worked on. He has this hands-on approach. He, one of his philosophies was, you know, don't wait for the Army to, you know, kind of approve this by regulation. If it's the right thing to do, go ahead and action it. And that sounds that, you know, it's like, yeah, let me have the power to go do that. Will they let you have the power to go do that? There lies the problem. And that is the big problem. And it's yeah. like, yes, I think we're all ready to take initiative at the lowest level possible. But are you going to back me up if I, hey, I gave this guy a day off because he deserved it. Uh, and you're not going to chew my ass off for it. You know, <laughs> uh, if command doesn't have your back when you make those decisions at those lower levels, then you don't have any power at all. No, you're you're standing in and uh, uh, quicksand. You're sinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, on all these big speeches and all that stuff, they're always like empower at the lowest level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy's like, "Hey, I'm going to make this decision." And the commander chooses ass and like, "Wait, I thought I was empowered." He's like, "You're not that empowered. <laughs> you still work for me." So, um, I don't know. He it. He's got a hands-on approach. In recent years, he has spearheaded several major policy changes and initiatives, including a study of the Army's height and weight standards, which Hmm. is still ongoing, ironically enough. Um, I don't know what what study you need to do, right? Yeah. I mean, whether they have a ponytail or a beard. (laughs) Well, that's coming up. He says, uh, Updated, uh, this is another one that he's major policy changes and initiatives. Updated hair and grooming regulations. Well, that's that's beards and ponytails. Okay. Uh, and an extended timeline for postpartum women to meet fitness standards. Now, I, I don't know how much more time they need. I mean, I, I, I think they get a long time before they're required to take a fit test for record in the air force as well. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a pretty long time now. I, okay. I, I've never been pregnant, never will be pregnant. Don't know what it's like to come back from a pregnancy. Um, but uh, you know, that one of the things I think is kind of frustrating maybe for us old timers is it's the army and you signed up to comply with its regulations, right? Correct. Um, but for them to go, oh, we need more time. It's like, well, why? I mean, we've been doing this for as long as ever you know, for this particular uh, issue, as long as women have been in the military. Right. Now, are you telling you know, me 
It doesn't that's... suit the need. Doesn't fit it. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, they they give you enough time off, but you have to take that responsibility to go get yourself back in shape. You know. Yep. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's heartless. I don't know, but uh, you know, I you I had uh surgery, right? Mm-hmm. And I was only on profile, you know, for a couple months, and then it was like, okay, now you're expected to go pass. Um, and I knew that and, you know, it was a bitch, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the, that's the field you play on. And you knew that when you signed the oath, man. Right. Right. Gotta meet the standard. So, uh, anyway, um, and I'm sure he's done some great things, but it's really hard to look at what's happened in the army since 2019 and say that. Uh, yeah, the army's on the right track because it sure doesn't sound like it's on the right track. Well, and and you and I in our discussions have, have questioned whether the military in general is on the right track. All services, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to that. So hope you know maybe maybe a title turn maybe, um, maybe the sergeant major of the army's the first step. Yeah, so. we'll wish we'll wish Sergeant Major Weimer a, a good luck. Yeah, good luck and. Thank you, Sergeant Major Grinston, for the work you did, and uh, welcome, Sergeant Major uh, Weimer. There you go. Uh, okay, moving over to the Navy. The Navy has, and this is this is curious. And I, I interviewed a Navy guy, but he was a diver, so he wasn't right in the fleet Navy. But it would be interesting to find out. So, the Navy has these amphibious assault ships. They look like mini aircraft carriers. Okay. All right. Um, and they're all designed to uh, basically house and launch Marines. All right. So it's a, almost like the old Higgin boats coming off during World War II during the landing. Sort well, of? it has those, but this whole ship is like dedicated to, oh. to the Marines, I think. Okay. I think. So some Navy guys out there, please make a comment and go, you dumbass, that's not it. So there's a picture of the first uh, in this class of Navy ship called the USS America. And it's it looks like a mini aircraft carrier. Yeah. Right. It has um, the ability to carry the VF-22 Ospreys as well as the F-35s because the F-35s can launch vertically as well. So. Yeah. It has that, and then it has the ability to launch, you know, whatever the Marines are using as their Higgins boats. You know, their 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 the assault ships. Their assault, yeah, their assault ships. So um, there's currently two of these class of ships, right? There's the uh, the USS America, which is one of the least creative names i suppose for a new ship or a new vehicle um and then they have the uss tripoli so okay. uh the next one that's supposed to come out is the uss bougainville nice uh, and i think that was a marine battle so they're all named after marine battles i think yep bougainville was and the Next one that's going to come out is the USS Fallujah, which is interesting because 
I had kind of forgotten how many Marines were involved in the Battle of Fallujah. So I guess there were two kind of battles of Fallujah. One was when they had those four contractors get kidnapped and they sent uh, a force into Fallujah to try to get those guys out of there. And then there was another major operation to take Fallujah back. And I think that's the one that got the majority of the headlines. That's the ones that we all heard about, the hmm. Battle of Fallujah. So that's, that's what the next, do. that's what the fourth of these America-class warships are going to be called. Let's see. Uh, What's the armor? Do they have armament on this thing, or is it just drop troops off? And if this ship is going to be dropping off troops, you're thinking on an amphibious assault. It's going to be close and within range. So I was just wondering if it was sure. able to provide support and uh, close air support, that kind of thing with aircraft and, and ship aboard weapons. Well, here's what it says. America-class warships are the largest amphibious assault vessels in the Navy's fleet. They carry Marines to the scene of conflict or disaster where their aircraft move them from ship to shore. They are also small aircraft carriers designed to carry the F-35B Lightning II, a fighter capable of vertical takeoffs and short landings, and the MV-22 Osprey tilt rotor aircraft. I call it the FV-22 because I'm dumb. Uh, the, sh the two ships of this class in service, the America and the Tripoli, were built with enlarged hangar decks, enhanced aviation maintenance facilities, increased aviation fuel capacity, and additional aviation storerooms. So, okay, so maybe uh, yes, big taxi, get them to the war. Yeah, I think so, and I, and that's uh, I think in the old days, uh, didn't they have the Marines hanging out on like the carrier, and when they had to, they had to launch the Marines. You know, they they would make whatever arrangements. But then they came up with the MEF and the MU concept, you know, the Marine Expeditionary Force and the Marine Expeditionary Unit. Okay. And I don't know if these ships are uh, furthering that concept. It would seem so. Yeah. But maybe the Navy guys are like, hey, why don't you build a, a whole ship just to get all these dirty Marines off my ship? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it's, hey, that's a good idea. We'll stick them all on this amphib ship over here. So it's it's a great idea. I mean, you don't have to worry about removing any of your support aircraft or support ships to support the landing. This thing is all encompassing and holds it all. Yeah, that's yeah. And I wonder how you know. I wonder if it holds, uh, you know, a battalion's worth of Marines that they can launch from that ship to the shore. Yeah, or or more. You know, that's. I mean, that's pretty. You need quick response. You send one of these ships, and you got uh, a combat team of Marines ready to go. You know, I I was not aware. Uh, just a point. I was not aware that F thirty five Bravo had vertical cape off, uh, vertical takeoff capability. I had kind of forgot about that myself, but then I was like, oh yeah, that was the whole. That was one of the whole tricks. It was supposed to re be kind of the replacement for the F sixteen because it was smaller, can more durable, can carry a lot. Um, but it does have that uh, yeah. vertical takeoff and short landing. So I, I don't know if it's a true horizontal lift. I guess so. Yeah, it it certainly looks like it. And then, you know, you know, for two guys who've been doing a podcast for the better part of half a year here, we're, we need a researcher. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so we need a researcher to provide our answers <laughs> because 
if anybody listening who knows they're yelling at us that we're a bunch of idiots and that's true <laughs> we are we're just making shit up it's not for the lack of wanting to know <laughs> we want- I, you know if i could ever work it I'm like hey call in and tell us we're wrong yeah that'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, nobody's calling <laughs> so i guess we're right <laughs> uh so interesting so they're 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 building those ships and they're coming out with the fourth one will be called the USS Fallujah. I wonder what that's doing to America's military budget. <laughs> I don't know, man. They they uh there's another story here where they uh the army uh is working on a what's the, what they call mobile protective firepower vehicles, which are going to give light infantry units added punch. You ready for this picture? Look at that. You see that? Yeah, man. That's that's a tank, isn't it? That's what it is. It's based (laughs) off of the M1 Abrams, but it's lighter and smaller. So the Abrams is, they said, was 70 tons, and this one's 38. So you can put two of these on a C-17. All right. So probably faster, more mobility. You know, but then it's like, what happened to the Bradley? I thought the Bradley was what that was supposed to be for. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, they're talking about this MPF, with a mobile protected firepower vehicle. So they're calling them MPF vehicles. Well, they just gave General Dynamics $1.14 billion to build 96 of these things. Holy cow. So I don't know what happened to the Bradley. And then you have the Striker. And I think the striker was doing that role, that wheeled vehicle with the big gun on it. I don't think it was a 105, but uh, it was supposed to be more mobile. And I think that I thought they were making striker units. Well, now the striker has been deemed obsolete and needs to be replaced as well. So they scrapped that vehicle or that program last year. Now they're paying General Dynamics. $1 $1 billion to produce 96 of these mini M1 tanks. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm a little confused by this. Uh, like you said, I thought the Bradley did it. Now, I understand innovation and <laughs> upgrading certain vehicles, but this, this thing looks just like a smaller, less armored tank, high, more maneuverable. Yeah. And it's even got a Ma Deuce and M2 on the top. That's right. Every tank has got a, you know, 50 on top. I, yeah, it's just just strange. I don't know, and it's supposed to support light infantry, but they scrapped the Bradley. I don't know why. Um, and then I thought they were going to the Strikers, but now they strapped the Strikers, and they're going to make these tanks, which are lighter. And it's not support. a troop carrier, correct? It's not. I mean, no, it's no, it's got a crew of like three or four. So it's just there for support of. Yeah, I don't know. Ground infantry, light. light yeah, hard. I guess so. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's making those budgetary decisions, but they are pro. I mean, look at our look at our last several episodes on how much they're buying a new helicopter. Right. They're going to get this new light infantry vehicle tank. They're yep. looking for. Um, we didn't do the story. I was thinking about doing a story, but like one shoulder fired missile. To do anti-air, anti-material, anti-ground, you know, to do mm. everything. So they're researching that. They've got the tactical bra in play. The drones. You know, they're yeah. just, 
they're just spending money hand over fist. Well, um, but they but they're not getting people in. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly understand the need for upgraded weaponry. You know, our our foes are upgrading and creating new weapons and 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 certainly better killing weapons you know yeah but yeah. so we have to we have to meet that but like you said at the same time if you're if your recruitment and your retention you're not going to have anybody in these things well they might just take take the money saved on those 15,000 recruits they didn't get and just start developing robotic tanks you know it's yeah. like okay we can't get people in so we'll just get robots to go fight our wars for us. yeah this is this is interesting i'm gonna have to look at this thing on my own i want to dig into this thing more um and you know that that could be a topic that we cover uh that's not really news but maybe it's our own research to go okay they went from this to this to this to this right why yeah. and what you know why did that that'd be interesting to find out why they did that you know i mean I hell i even saw a story about the f-22s that they're thinking about uh, obsoleting them or something to that effect. Already? Yeah, and that's what I mean. What is going on? They're just wow. they're spending money on R and D like crazy. Okay, uh, a last story before Christmas, which is kind of a downer, I suppose. There has been a report that they published. This article is uh, from just today, out of the Washington Post. The report oh. says that blind and disabled veterans can't access VA websites. Now there's now, a headline for you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever innovated anything or come up with an idea or even coordinated a party or something like that? And then you thought to yourself, well, if I, uh, you know, people are going to ask me for directions. Here's the directions I'm going to give them. Do you ever sit back and go, does that make sense to me? Does that make sense to somebody who doesn't know how to get there? So you kind of do your own QA on it, right? Right. Yeah. Well, being retired, and now that you're going to eventually move over into the retired TRICARE VA system, yeah, uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of whole lot of QA, QA that happens on almost anything that the VA rolls out. <laughs> I would yeah. say so. It's just like they task some guys and like, hey, I want this by Friday. And they do it, and they're like, did you test it? And like, nope. They're like, okay, you got it done. Good. Thanks. Well, we know we turned it on and we saw it on the screen. So you said you wanted a website. You didn't say you wanted a user-friendly website. <laughs> and anybody who's gone onto the veter the VA website, or almost any military website for that matter, oh, yeah. knows how frustrating just the layout of that website is. Okay. Uh, before you go any further, I have to throw out the Deers website. Oh my God, the Deers I'm, is a nightmare. I want to hang myself every time I go to that place, man. Yes, oh, I agree. Right. Mm. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, so this one talks about a uh, this one uses uh, a veteran who's seventy three year old, seventy three years old. He's blind, uh, but he's legally. I think he's legally blind, but he regularly regularly goes kayaking and fishing, searches mail, and uses public transportation to get around. So by the definition, I think he's blind, but he can see enough to get around. Do other things. Okay. But he can't log on to the Department of Veterans Affairs website portal for his health benefits because the portal's design 
isn't compatible with his screen reader, which converts text to speech. Oh, jeez. And you would think that an organization designed for uh, handicapped yeah. vets, you know, yeah. limited or disabilities, uh, all that kind of stuff, would have asked that very first question, right? Yes. Are the people we taking care of, are they able to see this website? <laughs> Where is the tech design in our website? Come on. So it's just, it kills me um, that all they had, you know, somebody had to ask that question, right? Yeah. Hey, can a 90-year-old use this website? Oh, well, um, he should be. Okay, that's good enough for me. Roll it out. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, my God. Ah. Uh. Let's put some freaking consideration for these guys, man. But here is the interesting thing. They've had recommendations. They've submitted, you know, things to the VA to get action on, and they haven't taken any action. So a new report from the Senate Special Committee on Aging is taking VA to task for neglecting accessibility issues on its website, despite the fact that 27% of all veterans have a service-connected disability and more than 1 million veterans are blind or have low vision. Wow. Only 8%, only 8% of VA's public-facing websites and 6% of its internal sites are fully compliant with federal accessibility law. Wow. So the federal agency is non-compliant with federal law by 92%. <laughs> and that agency is specifically supposed to be designed to support I mean, those. The, the irony is just dripping <laughs> off this thing, right? Oh, man. God bless it, man. Yeah. I mean, you hate, you hate, because I'm a fan of the VA. The VA is designed to take care of us. Sure. I, I got mean, a massive job, massive okay. job. Yeah. But, I mean, we're talking basics here. Yeah, this is your job. That's I don't like, know how you let that become a gap. There's that's a, that's that's somebody in that room saying, "Who have you tested this with?" Yeah, you know? Well, I tested it with Jimmy, and Jimmy tested it with me, and we got <laughs> through it fine. You know, it, okay. And I somebody's got to go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me sure. bring in my grandfather. Right sit him down and say hey if this is a, if this is going to be our primary means of communication and accessibility yeah into the VA right going into this quote unquote digital age well let me take a guy who was born way before cable TV <laughs> and see if he can operate this website um and why wouldn't you put the word out to the veteran groups and say hey guys We'd love to get some input based on you coming in and testing our new website. Yeah. Yeah. You know, give me your, your disabled by blind, disabled by I can't hear what, you know, all the things that could impact your ability to log on to this thing. But you know what I suspect? I suspect hmm. the reason why they didn't do that is because one, they probably went over budget on developing this thing already. Um, and to do the testing would be another, hey, that's another 300K that we got to do to get this testing done. Uh, uh, we don't have the money for that. Let's just push it out. Yeah. it's Let's, it's meet, let's right. meet our contractual standards, and then we can fix it later. 
It's always about the dollar. So you're right. I, I you know I hate to be that way, but I bet that's why it is. Um, the article says the only recourse veterans have if they aren't able to use a website is to either file a complaint directly with VA or file a lawsuit. But filing complaints often doesn't result in any meaningful change and lawsuits are expensive. Hmm. Um, the federal government is required by Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 to ensure any technology that it buys or uses has to be accessible and usable by people with disabilities. Wow, there's a, there's a novel idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's in your in your government's required section. Oh my god! Well, the lack of progress on accessibility issues has been frustrating. Donald Overton, who is the executive director of the Blinded Veterans Association, who was blinded by a blast injury in 91 while serving in the Army. For decades, he said, the Blinded Veterans Association has been meeting with VA on this issue, but has felt brushed off by VA leadership when it comes to actually implementing changes. So they turned to doing lawsuits. Wow. That's the only way they'll get changes. And I'm like, God, you got to bring a lawsuit just to get the care. Well, you know, it's amazing to me when you, when we, I'm going to refer back to the tech that everybody's building all this tech and these smart people are freaking producing these weapons and coming up with some really cool ideas that we can't have some smart guy create a database or a website that is efficient and, and, and works for everyone. I don't, and the, the distance between those two things blows my mind. And I I really think it's just a bureaucracy involved in that. I guess. You know, yeah. you give Bell or General Dynamics or Boeing um, and say, go develop. The, here's our requirements. Go develop this concept that we have. And they'll come back with, um, you know, the tilt rotor valor or, you know, the amphibious ship you know they'll come back with the blood delivering drone robot roger that but you give it to a bunch of government guys and go hey uh you have a limited amount of money to go develop a website for millions of veterans to access go and they're like wow we need more money than this to make it work and they're like that's all we got I'm, i'm amazed when when we're talking about this many va vets and you, your audience is that big, but you're not going to give it the resources required to make it work more efficiently. That's well, a big shame. How many years ago was it that they had that huge outrage about, uh, you know, people are dying waiting to get seen by the VA? Remember that? In the hallway of the VA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. How many years ago was that? Was that three, four years ago? Yeah, Five it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So, but then it just, that story just kind of went away and you're like, did they fix it or are they just not covering it anymore? Yeah. I think it was a more of shuffle people around, put new people in the leadership positions. Yeah. Um, it may have been. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. they ever really solved it. I don't believe they did. Um, I, in fact, in fact, I'll tell you this much. I know they haven't solved it because if they did, they would have come out and celebrated that they solved it. Yeah. Yeah. You know as, I mean? a, as a big win. You're right. And the reason we, and the fact that we haven't heard a big pat on the back press conference <laughs> means that yeah. they still got the same people waiting in the lines. Yeah. But they're just like, okay, let's, let's calm this talk down. We're working on it. 
Well, if it's anything like this website, no wonder it's not efficient. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and wait till you call. <laughs> wait till you call for your first Tricare refill prescription. <laughs> You'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, this should be loads of fun. Oh, I can give you the number so you can go call and listen to a different <laughs> name. That's in your future, my friend. I'll wait to cross that bridge. <laughs> uh, okay. I think we've reached the end of a good year of service headline news, Eric. Marty, it's really been an awfully good time. I've I enjoyed really it. enjoyed doing the podcast for you. I look forward to 2023. We're going to have some exciting new guests for you. We're going to have some new features. We're going to have some new bits. And right we probably on. won't. We're like the VA. We'll probably just be doing the same old dumb thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're going to stand tall. We'll stand tall. We will. So <laughs> on behalf of my partner, Mass Sergeant Peratt, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please leave a like and share the podcast with someone else. Let us know how we did in the comments or if there's something else you'd like to hear us do in the comments. And as always, Make sure to download uh, our next episode in 2023 for more service headline news. Eric, Merry Christmas to you. Have a good holiday, and we'll see you next year. You as well, Marty. Merry Christmas to you and your family, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. And all those you listening out there, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we look forward to having you as our listener next year. Take care. Good night.